Welcome to the Building Management Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Kingma. Today we discuss the water gap crisis in the United States, the four dimensions of water management, and how to fix the growing water problem. Here to give us insight is Premnev Sanharam, member of the DLR Group. How are you doing, Prem? Very good, Sam. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Thank you for asking. So I wanted to start this interview off asking specifically, like, what is the water gap? Could you explain that to people who might not know? Absolutely. So there is um, water-rich regions in the world, and there's water-poor regions in the world. Um, in In a very simple term, in very simple terms, water gap is basically the difference between having water and not having water. Um, but there's more dimensions to it. And some of those dimensions are, in general, um, you know, we just today assume if you turn the tap on, water flows, right? And um, a lot of people don't know where water comes from and what is the quality of water. So there's so many different, so many different types of gaps uh, that we have seen in the industry or in general in public. Um, some of the gaps are just in general, the awareness of where water is coming from. And uh, culturally, water is very different in, um, in very different places across the world. Um, so a lot of people don't understand that cultural gap. Um, and there is a serious quality of water uh, gap. Because, the, the, uh, you know, I travel a lot. And every time I go to a place, I... Um, hook up uh, my computer and or pull up my computer and look for what is called the uh, tap water database on water quality. And I type in the zip code and see what kind of water quality am I drinking that night at the hotel room. It is quite amazing the, the gap in water quality across the nation. So that's a huge gap. And then uh, there's an economic gap in terms of water. I'm here in Phoenix, and you would not believe that the cost of water here in Phoenix is one-fifth of the cost of water in Seattle, um, which makes no sense, right? I'm in, I'm in a desert here in an environment where cost of water should be higher uh, than you would think. But there's so many differences in, in the cost of water as an economic gap. Um, but at the same time, there are parts of the, uh, parts of the world that doesn't uh, or cannot afford uh, the current cost of water. So there is a huge gap economically. And then there is also this other gap called a density gap. And what that is is uh, today, uh, we're not thinking about how uh, water is used in denser urban environments compared to uh, suburban environments. There's a huge difference in the amount of and type of water that we consume. So there's a density gap with that. And then there's so many gaps in the in the regulations of water. Because for example, um, here in the Southwest uh, and most part of the Western side of the United States, we have what, what is called a purple pipe water, uh, which is basically reclaimed water uh, reused uh, to be reused for irrigation and other purposes. Um, that water quality is almost on par with uh, drinking water quality, but regulations don't allow um, to use for drinking water, for example. So there's so many gaps in drink uh, regulations. And then there's a huge gap in, uh, in how we think about water from a scale standpoint. Today, uh, we try to treat this, treat water very similar to how we treated energy. Uh, 
and we look at it what we consume here in our in our buildings and uh, and, and local environments but water has a huge scale issue because it touches every aspect of human civilization so there's a huge scale gap so it's a long answer to your simple question what specifically in the united states what is the most prolific water gap? Is it one of quality? Is it the economic one? Is it the density? Or is it really a combination of all of these? And it just depends on what area of the country you're looking at. Yeah, I think it's the latter. It's really a combination of all of this. But um, but most importantly, I think the, the biggest gap in my mind is the awareness gap. And um, I can relate this to the energy side of things. Um, if you think about what happened uh, maybe about a couple of decades ago, we just assumed if we uh, flip a switch on uh, and the light turns on, right? And um, we never questioned how that energy is uh, produced. Um, but if you think about what ha what is happening today, we are starting to question that and or we have actually questioned that over the last decade or so. And today you can see how that's changed people's perception on energy. We're starting to put solar solar panel systems on our homes. And uh, that awareness on where energy is coming from, what, what is the impact of that energy source to the world, is something that's starting to happen across the, the United States. I sense that a very similar thing is about to happen with water. Um, so this is the awareness gap that is more prevalent in the United States, uh, in my mind, that is about to change. Because we're, we're starting to uh, ask that question, where is my water coming from and what is, it, what is it coming from and what's the quality of it? How did a place like Flint, Michigan, which is right next to the Great Lakes, have such a wide water gap of low quality compared to other places around the world how did how does a place like flint michigan where they are right next to such a great body of fresh drinking water how did they get to that point yeah and that was quite um shocking to me when i learned more about what really happened in flint michigan uh, i think the there's a new term in the industry it's called water gentrification um uh, and I believe that is probably the cause for what is happening in Detroit and, and Flint, Michigan, mainly. Um, the, 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 the culprit there is we have age-old infrastructure and um, our uh, leadership in the whole country has not uh, made that a priority to fix that age-old infrastructure. And... Um, and, and when private development uh, comes in and uh, makes certain requests for uh, the change in the water infrastructure, that's where gentrification happens. And some, uh, uh, in terms of uh, providing water equity to the society, um, it doesn't happen, uh, you know, in a, in a manner that we all we would all like to like to see. So. Uh, to me, that is the main cause. Uh, it's water gentrification that's happening, uh, and that's the root cause of uh, what happened at Flint, Michigan, and Detroit. How can building design and building efficiency help solve this problem with water? Yeah, I think the first thing in my mind is uh, the building industry uh, needs to understand its place in, uh, in this whole water equation. Uh, if you think about it, the amount of water that's used in the whole world, 
um, are specifically here in the United States, um, most of it is used for agriculture. And the second biggest usage is towards industries and buildings. And um, so even though today the building's role in, in this water equation is uh, not as much as agriculture, um, I see a change in that in the next uh, decade or so, especially when when we urbanize more and more cities across the, the world, and especially here in the United States, uh, the prediction is across the world, 70% of our population is going to be in dense urban environments. And these urban environments put a lot of stress on the water infrastructure. So it is very important that the building industry starts to take this very seriously on water. And one of the ways that I've started to think is, uh, or one of the ways that I've started to not think about water is to not relate this to energy. Because energy, uh, if you think about energy, it usually comes from a power plant. Um, so, and then we question where that power is coming from and what is the quality of the power source and so on and so forth. Um, but water is much, much more complicated than that. So we cannot approach water the very similar way that we've approached energy. So in my mind, uh, I'm starting to question this in my own practice. How do I start to approach water? So the idea that, that I've been um, having is to look at water in four dimensions. Uh, the first dimension is to look at water from an economic dimension, because at the, at the end of the day, uh, we still have budgets to meet and we still have schedules to complete and achieve. So um, the economic dimension strictly drives that. And in buildings, um, the, the idea here is to use as much or as many times as possible, reuse the water before it goes out of the building. So that's the first step. And what is um, driving that equation is the cost of reuse of water. And what we have seen uh, a change in the industry in terms of building design could be, uh, could be in, in terms of focusing what, what is called a closed loop design, where you take the water from a source and you reuse it multiple times for several different reuses and then release it uh, at the end of that. And, and we can do this in a very um, confined manner without increasing the infrastructure cost in the building. So that's the first dimension on economics as a step towards uh, meeting the budgets and, and schedules. And to me, the second dimension is really interesting. Uh, it's called the risk dimension. There's this amazing resource by uh, World Resource Institute um, that has put together a tool called Aqueduct. And that has taken all the known data uh, from climate change and uh, other resources. And per zip code, it gives you the risk factor in terms of water quality and water quantity in any part of the world. And this is especially important to understand. For example, here in Phoenix, uh, the risk factor today is two. But in, uh, in 10 to 15 years, that same risk factor goes up to four, which means we will have more issues with water uh, scarcity and the quality of water as well. So given that, um, I have those issues in terms of risks. Now it changes my thinking on how do I design my building to accommodate not only for today, but for the next 20, 30 years. So that's, a, that's an incredible change that I can see in the industry.
And then uh, the third thing is looking at water more from a quality perspective uh, than, than just from a quantity perspective. And what I mean by that is today our industry, the building industry mainly uses three, four, five types of uh, definitions of water quality. I don't think that's enough. Uh, you know, I joke with my colleagues here that we really need 50 shades of water definition um, because not all water is equal. Uh, we should we should start thinking about what is the quality of water that is really needed for a purpose, and how do we apply that uh, only that kind of water for that kind of purpose. And then, lastly, um, another important uh, aspect. Uh, that the building industry is starting to do, which I think we should do more, is trying to connect uh, and understand the, the nexus between water and energy. And I call this the water energy nexus dimension. And the idea behind that is for every unit of electricity that's delivered to my site or to this building, uh, there's, a, there's a certain amount of water that's used um, at the power plant. So there is this huge connection between water and energy. So if you think about what is happening today uh, between water, uh, public utilities that deal with water and, and energy, they do these conservation programs that are uh, separate. So the water utility, pro uh, water utility providers might have their own conservation programs and then the energy providers might have their own conservation programs. But I think that there is a tremendous opportunity for this industry to combine these programs together and show people how they are connected. So those are some ways that, I, that we are starting to think about how um, water should be dealt with in the building industry. Why do you think it's so hard to get this kind of information across to people and to make them see that this is a problem and that this is an issue that needs to be fixed? I think one of the fundamental reasons is uh, price of water. Um, compared to energy, price of water is so affordable right now, and we just don't think about it at all because it's not a huge impact. And there's been a lot of conversations lately on uh, tiering the price of water. So the heavy users uh, take a heavy hit in terms of price and that will start to change their behavior. Um, and start to question, uh, wh why am I really using water and what am I using it for? And it's starting to happen, especially with California here. Uh, they just passed uh, a law asking um, that people can't use more than 55 gallons per day. And if they do, and they get fined or charged extra for the amount of water that they use more than that, so that's that's the kind of regulation that will uh, really start raising this uh, awareness and ask uh, and, and get people to ask more questions. And so do you think that's that's the ticket to changing public perception is more regulation or at least putting them in a situation where they will have to think more about their water instead of right now? Yeah, and I think and I hate to say this because regulation is not the solution all the time. and. Um, it's not the silver bullet at the same time, but uh, we, we certainly need regulation to, because that's what happened in the energy world. We're starting to see that um, change or impact in the energy world uh, because of regulation. And then, and then at the same time, while regulation is pushing this, 
um, there's this uh, uh, larger awareness um, among the among the people in terms of uh, how and what they're using in terms of energy. So I see a similar trend if regulation starts this, uh, which it already has in the western side of the United States. Um, I say when regulation starts this, there'll be a lot more awareness um, uh, from the public that can also you know, start from the grassroots up. Thank you for coming on, Prem, and thank you everyone for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com industries and subscribe for previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Sam Kingma, and you have a fantastic rest of your day.